it's been a long, a long time coming, but I'm free. No more chains holding me, cause they don't know my story, can't see my pain. If they did, then they would love me just the same. I shine, you shine, we shine together. That's how it was meant to be. No shame, it's all love. Hey, my loves. Welcome back to Christian Girls in the City podcast. I am your favorite host, Latoya Deshine. Today's episode is very special to me. In honor of Endometriosis Awareness Month, as a fellow Endo warrior, I couldn't let this month pass us by. Joining me on today is my close friend, Shanae Hunter. We have known each other since eighth grade. And let me just say this, I couldn't be this transparent without her on today. Welcome, Shanae. I am so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to talk about something so sacred to us both. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's such a, it's such a much needed conversation. It's like so many women are dealing with this debilitating illness, yet nobody talks about it. And like they afraid to talk about it. I think it's one of those things where it begins that they don't even know how to talk about it because they're not aware of it. And so I think that what you're even doing now is really important as far as bringing awareness so that they can understand what conversations need to be had. Because, I mean, just think about with yourself and even with me. For half our years, we, we didn't know we were going through this. I, man, we had no clue we were sick. <laughs> we thought we were like normal, like normal, normal girls in high school that, you know, just had cramps. Who didn't mm-hmm. have cramps? You know, it's I mean, and that's how you end up telling your OBGYN. It started with bad cramps. Yep. And it's like, who would have known when that something that is supposed to happen to your body is your worst enemy? Mm-hmm. Man. I will say I think um, you know, we saw examples as even growing up in the house with my mom and my older sister. I saw quickly that my period seemed different from theirs. But then it's just like, oh well, yours is different. No one had a name from for it. It was just yours is different. <laughs> see, but see, it's so it's so funny you said that you had two people to compare it to. My mom had bad cramps. Mm. And matter of fact, my cramps mimic my mom's where I would have to get picked up from school. I was uh, vomiting uh, for the first two days. I was, uh, I had back cramps, leg cramps, stomach cramps. Like I would have to be, I felt like I had to be hospitalized once a Mm -hmm. month. So it wasn't strange to my mom. She knew what to do. Like, oh, let me go get her some medicine. Let me make sure she has her heating pad. Like my mom was prepared for because this was something she too went through, Mm. but she didn't, I guess having a baby, having three kids, it's three of us, I guess maybe that's, that's what stopped it, which is what the doctors always say with endometriosis. Can you have a baby? And that's not technically the case. So going from that, how old were you when you were properly 
diagnosed with endometriosis? Um, I would say I was around 22 years old. Um, I would start having these um, issues where my navel was swelling. Mm. And so I know that it sounds very weird, but my navel will swell and it will swell to maybe the size of, um, say, the size of a pea. And then um, I noticed that it was coming every month and it will get larger to maybe like the size of a grape. Wow. And at certain points when it got that large, it would rupture. So just imagine your navel rupturing and, and there's blood. And so um, I went to see a surgeon because the first thing that we thought was a hernia. Right. And that's when um, having just an outpatient surgery, he's like, you have endometriosis. And of course, it was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that that's when I was first um, properly diagnosed. And it was really one of those things where, like you said, because I was in a household where my my mother never experienced these issues. My older sister never experienced these issues. I, I'm I'm pretty convinced that they probably thought I was faking half the time about Girl. my cycle. And so it, it it was almost one of those moments where you're like, yes, I knew it. Like, of course, you don't want anything to be wrong with you, but you're relieved that now someone has found something and can give it a name. And at least you know what it is to say, okay, yes, there is something that's wrong here. Yes. See, and it's funny. My endometriosis is different than yours. So I don't have the navel issue. I was properly diagnosed when I was 24. And um, prior to that, it was just, oh, you have ovarian cysts. And I had PID. That's what they kept telling me. I was uh, misdiagnosed with PID, which is pelvic inflammatory disease. And at the time I was engaged. And they kept saying, like, oh, you got it from your boyfriend. And I'm like, so you telling me he's cheating? They was like, yeah, this is some form of, like, STD. So it was causing friction in our relationship because hmm. I'm being told one thing. And he like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and, you know, and not to mention, like, you know, this illness, endometriosis, make having sex very painful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I was in pain. And then I wasn't just in pain during my period. I would be in pain during ovulation, but I didn't know that's what ovulation, I didn't know that's what my pain was. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm having pain with having sex. And then finally, I get to the, I find this specialist because it's like, okay. He likes, well, yeah, I go to the doctor. I'm getting tested. I have nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, why are these doctors lying? And he's like, I don't, they lying. So I finally find this specialist. And immediately he was like, I need to go in uh, through your belly button. So I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, this going to be like a really small surgery because I've had this surgery. You good and you up and running in two weeks. So I'm like that. Girl, we have this surgery. I woke up. That man was like, okay, so you had a lot of adhesions. 
Um, you have fibroids, you have cysts, and you have this illness called endometriosis. And it's when your period come and it's not flowing the way it does for regular, normal women. It's like it's getting on your reproductive system and it grows. And I'm like, come again? So now it's I have a cut through my belly button and then I have a bikini cut, which is now what how they do C-sections as well. So I have like this cut as if I look like I had a child but I didn't have a child. And mm. they said, uh, I think at that time he had took my, this that first surgery, he had took one of my, um, one of my tubes. Yes, he did. He took one of my tubes. Um, and he said, I had, uh, I had both of my ovaries and I had one tube left. And I was like, okay. So he was like, you know, it may be a little hard for you to have kids, but you're going to be fine. I'm 24. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I had no clue that, this journey that I was about to embark on was going to be was going to be a little bit more rigorous than I anticipated. I'm thinking the surgery was a fix all. Let's go move on with my life. Absolutely. I think that was my first thought, too. So when once I had that surgery and same issue with the belly button, it was just an outpatient surgery. So from there, it was like, oh, OK, well, issue is fixed. But I would say that I did end up getting pregnant maybe a year and a half, two years afterwards. So with my son, I did start to experience where my um, my cervix was opening sooner than it should have. Wow. And so I had to get what they called a cerclage and, and I was on bed rest probably at five months. And so I really think just the endo just really played a part in everything from, you know, even my pregnancy with I I had to have an emergency C-section. And afterwards, years later, finding out that my C-section had reopened. And so I was walking around for Lord knows how long with an opened uterus. And so every time that I was having a cycle, I was just bleeding out uncontrollably in my stomach. And so um, that's when I actually met the physician that you referred me to. And um, we did the laparoscopic surgery and I too had to have my appendix removed. I had to have my right fallopian tube removed. And then I also had to have a bowel, um, they call it a bowel resection because yep, um, it was one of those situations where I would be, my endometriosis was attacking not only just the reproductive system, but as well as my intestines. So I was literally being hospitalized almost every month with a bowel blockage. And I would have to be in the hospital for a week with the NG tube until the block will release. And, and, and so upon having that surgery, um, you know, they were able to remove that block session, you know, basically put all the pieces back to the uh, back, you know, back together. And you, of course, you know how it is. Everything's all flipped around and stuck together and, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you know, you're hoping like, okay, 
is, is there some type of reproductive life after this? Like, okay, don't, don't take everything. Can you leave me one ovary or don't take my uterus? I know, you know right? How you're going to leave out of the hospital. And that, and I think that's one of the things that it's so scary because it's really unknown. Most people go to the doctor and you know, what's going to happen to you, right? You know what your surgery is. You, you know, the plan. When you have endometriosis and you go under the knife, you don't know what you're coming out with. That's really scary. I mean, and they can tell you the surgery is going one way and you wait like, I mean, that goes right into, our sec- into my second question. Um, how many surgeries have you endured since your diagnosis? I've had about one, two, about seven. Wow. Seven. Wow. Whether they were very minor mm-hmm. or I had two major, the rest of them were minor. And the two major ones was when stuff was actually taken, mm-hmm. taken out. Because like my last major one was, I want to say it was like in 2013, where he took out my other Philippian tube. He took one of my ovaries. He took half of my small intestine. He had to reconstruct my bowel. Mm-hmm. Um, he took my appendix. Uh Wow. And I remember waking up. Oh, and I needed like an emergency blood transfusion because like something happened with my blood. And I remember waking up and everybody, I think I was dating another guy at the time and my mom was there. My dad and everybody had this this look when I woke up and I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in, I'm in terror. Like what he, and the first thing I said was what he take. Yep. Not, and that's, that's terrifying yeah. to think like what he take. And I remember when the doctors do rounds. So you know how I go. I don't know if anybody. I know you. I don't know if you ever watched Grey's Anatomy, but you know how they do rounds and whatever. So they come in with their other doctors, and the one doctor was like, he read the chart. And before um, our specialist came in, he read the chart before he got there, and he was like, oh, okay, so you won't be able to have kids. He took this, this, and this, and I mean, you could see my face no. and my eyes well, and I'm like, <gasps> and my mom was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. And he came in and was like, what's going on? Why is she flipping out? And my mom was like, he just told her she can't have kids. He's like, I didn't say that. That is not going to happen. He's like, get out. Get, I'm going to deal with you after this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, just calm down. He's like, that is not. He's like, we're going to make this happen for you. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do not worry. And I remember, like, they, you could see my blood pressure on this stuff going on the um screen going up. My incision started bleeding because I mean I was having a panic attack because it was like I went down for one thing and I come up and you telling me I'm barren, I'm done, I'm it, and I'm like, Whew. yeah, yeah, that that is wild. So I've had four, two were okay. outpatient surgeries uh, with the navel. The one surgery that I had was the laparoscopic surgery that did the removal of the fallopian tube, the appendix, um, the bowel resuction. And then he also had to repair my uterus during that um, surgery. He had to um, suture that um, opening basically from my C-section. He had to close it back up. And then the last one was very frightening. The last one was an emergency surgery because... So all of the times prior to, I was having just bowel blockages. The last time I had, and this was probably about, I want to say April of 2018. 
I had a actual bowel rupture and you can die from a bowel rupture because I believe like the septic shock. And so Mm -hmm. I remember um, being in the hospital and I went to, I believe it was the hospital that was closer to my house compared to where our, our, um, you know, normal surgeon is. And I remember just being like, well, no, I don't want you guys to do it. <laughs> like, can, can you transfer me? And they called the doctor and thank God he 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 responded back to them because it was about 4 a.m. And he's like, no, you need if you want to live, you need to have them do this right now. And again, it's one of those things where. You're, you're being willed in that room. And it's like, you know, I'm looking at my husband, I'm looking at my son, he's scared to death. And it's one of those things where, like you say, you just, you don't know how you're going to come out. And it's, it's so frightening. And especially what really breaks my heart through all of this too, is because my son had to, he witnessed so much of this Toya. He's witnessed the, you know, 12 a.m., you know, in the bathroom, throwing up, can't move, you know, dad has to carry mom to the car. We're sitting in the emergency room, like what's going on? That's what has broken my heart so much. Like it, I, I'm pretty sure he's traumatized because he has witnessed so much of this. And even, um, you know, it, it, now now I can laugh about it, but it's even to the point now, like if, if I stub a toe, like, Toya, he comes running like, are you okay? <laughs> He's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. But just, that's traumatizing. It, it, it really is. And I think for me, that was, that's the most, um, you know, just even, um, I don't even know the word to say that, that just really gets you about this disease because it also, it's not just you who has to deal with it. It's also your loved ones. And just not being able to just be present as a wife, be present as a mom because I'm stuck in bed or I'm in a hospital. Mom's in a hospital for a week. It, it makes you feel it's like I know obviously it's nothing we're doing on purpose, but you feel horrible. I, could, I, could, I honestly couldn't imagine. I mean, because. I mean. It, it makes me. I'm trying not to have tears. I, I was trying to be like a, a tough chick. I but knew I think this we was might, gonna happen, might, so I'm I'm already prepared. I have my little uh, Kleenex next it, to me. It, it might <laughs> it might happen because it's like you know, you would think like how is God created for us to have? Well, we can blame it on Eve because <laughs> God knows when I get there, I'm gonna be like before we say because it's an eternity. I got an eternity to talk to people. I'm gonna say. <laughs> we got a combo to have (laughs) because you know did you know we was gonna have to go through all of this because you just had to touch the fruit the forbidden fruit like you didn't find it did you not find it strange a talking place talking to you about hey you not gonna die like why would you believe somebody to tell you something opposite than the person that made you like let's think about this we got eternity let's let's, let's have talk. this conversation so, right i mean and i know i ain't the only one who's gonna right. be in line like sis, <laughs> sis, sis we sis. all gonna have some questions i mean because i got questions but it's like your son had to watch something that 
imagine i mean just to think about it he knows it's connected to your period you have a quite you have a very intelligent son so what he's gonna think about when he started dating or when he even get married where it's like when his wife is like well okay because my mom mm-hmm. had you know that's gonna be the first time we don't think how kids correlate things i mean i didn't think how i correlated things until i got older i didn't realize my mom had very very heavy periods mm. I remember her having said, I remember her going into the bathroom and, ch- and coming out with different clothes. Yes. On. You know, and as an adult, until it happened to me is when I said, oh, my mom went through this. Or being out in public at a friend's house and saying, can, can, can I get a pair of jeans? Mm-hmm. Or do you have some? Like, you don't realize. Or being out in public and you're bleeding and you're like, I got on a tampon and you're bleeding through and you're trying to mm. run. To the bathroom, and thank God I have on black at time. People, I was just wait. Why you wear black? I feel so strong in black. No, because because Auntie Flo, <laughs> Aunt Dot would take a player out in white. And I think that that's something too that you point out as far as how you navigate through life, right? Meaning everything, whether it's work, um, you know, so being social when you're dealing with something like this, because. We have to plan and think out everything ahead of time. I I know that even when it comes to a job, I will be like five steps ahead as far as, okay, if I take this job, am I going to have my own office? Because my stomach make a lot of noises. (laughs) And I know know that that sounds so crazy, but those are things that I think about because I mean, you know, my stomach do make a lot of noises because of, you know, the different bowel activities. So it's like, okay, yeah. um, where's the nearest restroom? Is is the restroom, is it a private restroom? Is it going to be a restroom there where it's, you know, how some restrooms just let you out in front of the whole office? Like, I don't want to be anywhere where it's like that because, like you said, I know when I come to work, if it's one of those days where I'm on my cycle I'm going to be making some frequent stops to that restroom and I don't want people looking at me crazy. But the one thing that I find though, we put that on ourselves because most of my coworkers, and again, it does not matter, white, black, Asian, uh, they all are kind of dealing with it too or know someone who's dealt with it too. So it's really important, I think, to be open about it because you kind of alleviate a lot of that pressure off of yourself of thinking that, you know, people won't understand or they're looking at you funny or, you know, they're going to judge you when either nine times out of 10, they're going through it themselves. Or like you said, maybe a sister has, they know a cousin or their mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Or an aunt. But here's the thing. Could you did we had no clue in high school when we had bad cramps and we were sent home and we're in a bed together with our heat pads <laughs> eating chocolate watching what we what we would be watching like the new remember the 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 uh the new parent trap oh my with, god uh, oh, yeah. oh, you know. like we would be sitting there watching or, that and yeah or even Stevens, whatever was out at the time, like whatever was on the Disney Channel. We we are so telling our age, but <laughs> I was thinking about the Bernie Mac show. Remember um, when that first came out? <laughs> yeah, man, we were so excited. How you doing, America? 
but who knew we were going through a whole illness slash disease off cramps and like when as I got older and I started researching endometriosis and you gotta remember when we got diagnosed with endometriosis the internet it wasn't new but it wasn't on our phones like how everything is so accessible to us right now but you know you had to actually go and research it somebody had to have AOL or the dial up where it go so you know when you was getting the internet so it wasn't easy to just like look up stuff you I took everything to heart that he said like you gotta be put on birth control Birth control is the worst thing to be put on for endometriosis. Like, it didn't do anything for me but throw my hormones out of whack and thin my hair and make me even more moodier. And I would just be so irritated, and I didn't even have the cause to what it is. Like, here are some of the things that I found about endometriosis, especially with I started joining – um endo warrior groups on facebook i found a a group of women on clubhouse that meet every thursday evening around 6 p.m um central standard time and they actually discuss some some really good things that i found but before i get back to our questions so this is what some quick endo facts are one in ten women are affected and most likely even more due to misdiagnosis and lack of awareness Endometriosis occurs when tissue similar to the the lining of the uterus gets implanted outside of the womb and pelvic cavity. The causes? Unknown. It's not contagious. And possible genetic link, which means they have no idea, like zip zero. And I think the not contagious part is a trigger for me because like, I used to have men be like, oh, are you contagious? And it's like, hm, you stupid. Okay. Oh no. Like you know, and, and it was so. It was so. It was like, how do I explain to them that something you glad I'm having, which is my period, is literally <laughs> my worst enemy. <laughs> and and here are some of the symptoms today that I know we both have all. We both have endured just about all of them. So painful periods, heavy bleeding, digestive problems, infertility. Pain during ovulation, painful intercourse, bowel and bladder issues, ovarian cysts, hormonal disruptions, horrible cramping, pelvic pain, severe fatigue, leg and lower back pain, and nausea. I don't think there's one that I... I real I I don't either. I I would say that I I think more recently I've had to um had some issues with the ovarian cyst. I didn't I but prior to I I, ne- I never had issues with ovarian cysts. See, I have five I had fibroids. I had cysts that ended up going into five. I think I had seven fibroids. Three were the were the size of grapefruits. And like the other was like the size of like maybe like small tangerines. And I I remember our specialist was like, how are you coping? I was like, I'm (laughs) He's like, it's impossible for you to be moving. Not alone. You're clubbing? How are you clubbing? I was like, oh, I just pop a Vitacan and and like take two shots of Patron. No. No. (laughs) He was like, no. 
no okay that is not the solution we are stopping your prescription second of all (laughs) you are not supposed to drink with that i was like well that's the only thing that numbs the pain so that let him know like he you know how they Mm. ask us from a scale to one to ten i'm like 15 what he's like well you're not shaking or nothing i was like i've learned to deal with this like this is my life yes the pain tolerance is definitely heightened with this situation because like you said the normal and I think maybe that's another thing Toya you realize like the normal like might all that never worked for us girl that was candy that never worked for us and I think even you know with the different prescriptions and you know it went from okay try the ibuprofen 600 to now you're actually being prescribed narcotics like the tramadol you yes. know and 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 finding that even these narcotics are not working Mm-mm. that's that's alarming and here's another thing 24 to 50 percent of women suffering from in- infertility have endometriosis laparoscopic surgery is the only accurate way to diagnose metri- to diagnose endometriosis which is why we always they're always saying let's do a lapo- laparoscopic because they want to know if the endometriosis is still there. And I think that's something important too to realize is that, um, you know, typically endometriosis, that's the only way that it can really truly be detected. And you can't see it through um, CT scans. And because all of the times where I were hospitalized for the bowel blockages, they were, you know, saying, again, just misdiagnosing me saying that it was adhesions maybe from my C-section that I I had. But I will tell them like, "Mm, no, this is happening. It seems like every time where I'm starting a cycle and it's like maybe the seventh time after I was hospitalized that I think someone actually listened. And, And I know this sounds horrible too, but it almost became too like you need to start visiting other emergency rooms so then you so they don't know you by name oh my god so then- i think some people used to think i think some of the nurses was like okay girl and i'm like i, I i'm just in so much pain yes and, and i mean i think we both answered like we do i think it, i think endometriosis ran in my family because my mom and my granny had it but they didn't have severe cases which i don't think people realize that the severity is what really makes this this illness so debilitating sometimes you can have a very low grade and it can just be handled with maybe taking birth control which Mm -hmm. if you have severe case you can't take birth control it doesn't work and they think oh let's stop your period now let's talk about the side effects with that because i think we both Uh. talked about you know just being on these luprin injections and, and and taking that route how you now suffer from the hot flashes and the bone dense, the bone, um, what is it? The bone loss, um, bone density loss that mm-hmm. you, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm 35. My knees feel like I'm 75 girl. And you know, I thought because we had hit our thirties and, you know, I'm like, maybe because we used to do the drop down and get the eagle long girl too long, you know, cause you know, we was the, we was the dun dun, you know, when you heard, 
cash money taking over for the 99. <laughs> like they knew we was coming to this. They knew we was out. We was out there. Don't let me bring up Sean Paul. Uh, boy. So they, we was like the queens of house party dancing. And then it was like, yo, I just shouldn't be feeling 70. At 31, like my knees would hurt, like you said. I was going through high flashes. And I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be transparent. My teeth became brittle. And I'm like, yes. I'm at the dentist more than I'm at the doctor. And I'm, yes. I'm sitting here like, this is not normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, I just kind of want to touch back on what you said about the um, the fertility issue um and 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 that really just being a, a a really huge i think impact most of all really when it comes to endometriosis that a lot of women deal with and i know me personally i would say it was maybe 2015 because i was on having such a horrible birthing experience with my son that doctor she told me like hey you probably should consider having another one right after it, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, like I'm traumatized, right? You can't talk to someone who just went through everything right. I went through without having another kid right now. Like I'm traumatized, but I, I really should have listened because I stayed on birth control for about five years. And, um, and I would say I tried again, maybe we started trying around 2015, 2016, to have a, a, a second child. And that's when it really just kind of the floodgates opened as far as all of the hospital visits because I wasn't on that birth control anymore. So everything that I started to experience with like the bowel issues and really starting to struggle with fertility, it, it all just kind of happened. And you see how being in those, you know, fertility clinics and there are so many women. And I mean, again, all ages, all ethnicities. And we're just really kind of sitting around looking at each other like, huh, what's your deal? <laughs> you know, like if you're in jail, like what's your bid about? Like, well, what's your deal? What are you going through? And mostly all of them, like you said, it's something with the fibroids or it's something with endometriosis. And it's like, what is it that like, it, it's just, it's just, it's crazy how it's such a phenomenon that no one knows where this came from. Like, Nobody. You, you don't know where it came from. You don't know what causes it. But so many people are suffering from it. And then, like I said, I think for me, that's one of my biggest impacts has been experiencing the infertility part. And not just because, of course, when you suffer from infertility, that's not something that, you know, just remains within your home. Because, of course, you got everybody who's asking, oh, when are you guys having another baby? Or what's taking so long? Or what are you guys waiting on? Wow. And it's yeah. like, that's where it's like, you know what? Everybody going to learn about what's going on. Everybody's about to learn about endometriosis today. So y'all can stop asking me. <laughs> I mean, and you know, and it's so invasive and I don't, pe and you know, people don't mean no harm yes. with coming out saying this to me, but it's like, 
I mean, and imagine you, you're married. So that is a lot, especially when it comes from the, the husband side of family. Cause it's like, we want some more grandkids. What's going on? And it's like, only if you knew, mm-hmm. I wish I could, you know? And, and I mean, that goes back to, like you said, how far does this go back to? And I mean, even with my own studying in the Bible, like I think me and you had this conversation where there's so many women in the Bible that went through infertility. They had so they had infertility. And the woman with the blood issue is when I, I had a situation, I think in 2018, where I bled for three months and it didn't stop. Mm. And it was heavy. And I hemorrhaged and I had to get rushed to the hospital. I soiled my bed. I soiled through many and many of many black sweatsuits. And it was like they made me they sent me home from work because I messed up a chair. That's how much blood I lost. Mm. And I was like, this is what the women with the woman with the blood issue must have felt like. Wow. Where to be sent to be sent away, to be to be cast out because to bleed like and their custom during that time, you usually bleed for five to seven days. You really wasn't supposed to be dealt with. Your husband didn't come into you, your husband didn't deal with you. You know, it was like you having your Eve moment, you know? Yeah. And imagine having an Eve moment for 10 years. Like this woman had this for a long time. And I was only bleeding like this for three months. And my boyfriend at the time thought I was nuts. He was like, normal women bleed three, five, seven why are you still bleeding i'm like i don't know i came on my period in february that boy didn't stop like wow. she just won't aunt dot ain't dot no more she's flowing <laughs> like it ain't nothing i can do and i mean like i was just i was devastated yeah i went he took me to a ball i had to wear like three tampons double up on pads because i was terrified like what if i bleed through and i gotta leave And I'm like, and like you said, like, I have to plan vacations. I had to plan vacations around my own period. Girl, prom. I think I had found the clever way to trick my period into coming earlier because I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing about you can't change prom. (laughs) So I had drank a whole lot. You remember Baba Slushy? Remember we used to drink them all the time. Girl, I would drink. I don't know if you remember. I drank them every day and it forced my period to come a week early. That is so crazy. <laughs> and I did, I I had did it accidentally three months prior. And I was like, did I just control this? <laughs> Girl, the sorcery. And I, did it. I right, the sorcery. But it was like, I need this. Like, why didn't I know this before? I would have been drinking Slurpees. Like, wow. you know, so but it was just the fact, like, reading that passage in um the Bible, I connected with that. I was like, I remember like breaking down like this how she felt un- misunderstood mm. worthless um I don't even want to go into the emotional toils you feel with endometriosis you feel worthless as a woman like yes trying to have a baby and you see people around you and your family your other friends on social media people get pregnant when you blow them and it'd be like and I'm like, wow, and I, imagine that. That is definitely something that I know, like you said, me just struggle. I struggle with because you think that I'm a woman. This is something that my body is supposed to do. Why is it the enemy for me? And you feel like you said that idea of guilt 
of what did I do wrong in life? <laughs> yeah. Or, um, yeah. you know, why am I not worthy? You feel so much just guilt and you feel so much, um, you know, just sometimes even resentful. And I think that, you know, like you said, for couples, women who are married and, and going through endometriosis, having that partner who understands makes all of the difference. Yeah. Because even though we were trying and I put all this pressure on trying to have another child, my husband never put pressure on it. And, and, and it was almost to the fact of the emotional sense, right? Because obviously you're going through all this IVF, you have all these hormones. So I'm thinking, you don't want this with me. I want this. You don't want this. And he's like, no, but I do want this. But I'm not going to put all this pressure on the situation like you are. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, okay, like we're good. But I think that that piece of just finding some type of um, oh God, what's the word that I'm looking for? You know, just finding some type of resolve. And and by yeah. that, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily mean your resolve is having that child. It doesn't have to mean that your resolve is, you know, curing endo and not having anymore. But finding that resolve with you understand what's going on. You know how to treat your body. You know how to treat and nourish your body is very important. Remaining calm. And like you said, in these situations where we still have to navigate life, but we're going through our period, just understanding what you need to do. And things like, you know, understand it's a headache, but I mean, we talked about it. I'm supposed to be on a vacation right now that I canceled last minute because of my cycle. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sweat it because I, I just know yeah. this is what I have to do. Why, why am I going to stress it and put myself in a situation where I know I'm not going to be comfortable? I know that I'm not going to be able to um, have fun and really enjoy myself. I'm not going to do that to myself. So coming just to a place of resolve where you just know how to navigate, I'm going to remain calm. And I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, just really just see it through it and, and, and not just obviously be content, but fight through it. And, and that's where I'm finding where I am now. And I think that that is so important that anybody suffering with endometriosis is that you find that space where you stop putting all of these outside pressures on yourself. And it could be things that you really want to. And then you just figure out how to heal mentally, spiritually, mm. and even, um, you know, with living in the now with your relationships because I find that that was something too that I was so consumed in this illness that I was missing out on being a mom I was missing out on being a wife I was missing out on being a wow. sister a daughter a cousin a friend because it was all you know woe is me this is what's going on with me no let me grab the let me grab the reins on this thing and and, and will it back in 
that's true the the living in the now because i think like we have the different we both have endometriosis but we have the different sides mm-hmm. of it like i think when i was i was crying and sharing with you where it was like you know i, I don't want to be this transparent about this illness i don't want anybody to know my personal struggles about this because i've had when i opened up to other women about it and we would get into it they go for my juggler and my juggler was, oh, that's why you can't have no kids. And it would be like, that, that's where we going. Right. Wow. Like you, you don't realize the emotional trauma that I'm dealing with where I'm asking God, you know, why didn't you make me a boy? Mm. Why, why am I going through this? And why is something that I need that's supposed to cleanse my body is hurting me? Mm-hmm. Why why was I made differently? Um how, how do I cope with people doing this to me? And it's like, and I'm not playing victim. Like, I you dished it to me, baby. I drugged you too. I wasn't, I wasn't no no punk. <laughs> we arguing, we going back and forth. But it was like, where, where do you not say something to a woman? But it was that was their thing to say to me. Oh, that's why you can't have kids. And I remember you said something so profound to me. And I was talking to my therapist today about it when you were like, but Toya, you've never tried to have kids. And it was like the light bulb went off. Like, so why am I even telling people that I was it's hard for me to have yes. kids? I've never even tried to have kids. I'm not married. I've never even tried to have kids. So it was like you was like change the narrative to this once you start trying kids then we can go down a path of okay it's difficult for me to mm-hmm. have them. but you've never tried and it was like but do you know I've had women put this on social media and say this to me say it to my face family members and it would just be like I mean if you wanted to kill me you just should have did it like what, what I mean I never understood why you would go that low and so, it, like you said, the resentment, like, I think people thought I would be jealous of them having kids. And I was never jealous, but it, I, it made me resent myself. It made me feel like, why should I be here? A woman's purpose in life is to reproduce. If I can't do something that I was created to do, why am I here? Mm. And that that was something that the enemy would yes. use daily in my mind to be like you ain't even supposed to be here like what are you what's your purpose you're worthless you can't even have a baby like as simple as a baby and then it's like what man gonna marry you if you can't have his kid what man gonna be with you and you always in pain like just about every serious relationship I've had Shanae they've had to be in the hospital Mm -hmm. and I would be so embarrassed but you know what I'm gonna tell you something if that man is meant to be your husband, you will never feel that way. You will never feel embarrassed. There has been times where Toya, my husband had to wipe me. Do you hear me? <laughs> wipe mm-hmm. and clean me in the hospital. And it's it's something that you know, you it opened your eyes as a woman like this man loves me. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Wiping me. And um I I I think that like I said, those are things 
that we're no one put that on you. I think those are things that we're, we put in our own head as far as, like you said, even with the, you know, difficulty of having a kid, you, you never really try, you know, like, let's have that conversation when you get married. And then we're, we're at that point where, okay, you guys are now trying to have, have a child. So don't, don't put that narrative out there yet because you haven't tried. Truth be told is you, you still have a, a ovary which can produce eggs you still have a uterus which can carry so you yeah. still have some of your mechanics <laughs> still there so let's not even put that narrative out there and we haven't and you haven't crossed that bridge yet and even so like with myself I've come to the point where obviously we know through God anything is possible so I'm not writing anything off yet but you know we see the science part of it tells us okay your ovarian reserve is very very low so you're not really producing anything we see the science part of hey your uterus opened up before because of and and that whole situation with my c-section reopening that's due to endometriosis because when we're having these surgeries endo is an inflammatory disease so you're not healing properly on the inside yeah so even with the you know surgery that i've had to repair my uterus we can hope that okay it's fully repaired but it's still the the scare of you shouldn't carry because now you risk a uterine rupture and then you can die. Is it really worth it? So for me now, I don't feel like I'm worthless. I don't feel like um, anything less than I, I honestly am spinning it in my head to feel that you know what God saw it fit oh lord I'm gonna cry God saw it fit to have me have another path and another purpose so that hopefully I can touch someone else or I can provide a resource to someone else because now I've dealt it the things that I've went through and so you know my sister she could have never my sister can't even stand needles Mm -hmm. she can't even stand being in a hospital she can't even the things that I've went through she could have never endured so I I have to believe that this is for a purpose whether it's for this conversation and hopefully we touch somebody whether it's for you know, I told you through 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 my business, I want to have some philanthropy arm where I want to donate and help families who need money for surrogacy. I want to help people who are going through IVF to buy that expensive med- medication. We have to repurpose this to use our resources to help and reach others. And that's how I look at it. I don't look at it like I'm less than or that, you know, I'm, I'm worthless or that. No, God just, God gave me a different mission. And that's how yeah. you have to see it. Okay. We're going to go, we're going to have uh, a quick commercial break.
Oh God, I, girl, I, you got say, me over I don't here know crying. why that just made me start crying. Um, <laughs> girl, you got me over here crying, but I think with me, like just being told, like, oh, okay, your ovarian reserve, your your your, your egg reserve is 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 is, is you, you low, sis, and I'm like, and with with me, it's like I'm not even married. I'm 36 to be told. Ooh, to be told the clock is running against mm-hmm. you. And it's like, what I heard was you waiting on God is wrong. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? You want me to go get pregnant by the homeless man on the corner? <laughs> like, I, I don't know where to yeah. go. I, I mean, I, I can't force anybody to marry me. And it, so then and now that's playing on me. Like, it's something wrong with me. I'm not, and it's like, and then of course, I don't even want to start a conversation on the past relationship I've had, all the past relationships that I've had that was very abusive, both all sexually, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. So it's just like, man, I've wasted my great years Mm -hmm. on the wrong men. And oh my God, but I didn't know. And you know, it's just like, and that's where this illness places you at the feet of Jesus, mm. where it's like, you either gonna believe me or you not. Or or it's like I'm making you a perfect candidate for a miracle because a, a miracle only can take place when mm-hmm. it's impossible. Like when we read about all these other women in the Bible, those those were Mary was a miracle. Shorty had not had sex. She was a straight virgin, not happening. But you think about Hannah. You think about Elizabeth. You think about Manoah. You think about Sarah. Sarah was 99 years old. You're talking about menopause. Sis was done. (laughs) Sis was done. And here's the thing. She was told that she was going to have a baby decades prior to 99. So you telling me I'm holding on to a promise for almost 50 years? Bro, not in this lifetime. I... But that yeah. lets you know, and she lived to see Isaac to make, I think, like twenty something. So that meant she lives like one hundred and nineteen. That's like the epiphany of, I'm going to restore mm-hmm. time for you. And it's like you know when we, because your situation, it makes you start mm-hmm. studying. It makes you start. This situation started making me realize, like, I've already been introduced to God, Jehovah Jireh, which is my provider. But now he's introducing himself to me as Jehovah Rapha, which Mm. is my healer. Like, you're going to heal me. You said I'm going to have a baby. You said I'm going to get married. You said, and since you're not a man that you shall lie, nor the son of man that you shall repent, and that not a syllable comes back to you void, the word you put in the atmosphere is going to happen for me in the land of the living. So I was like, I have to tell myself that when my illness is waging war on me, I have to tell myself that because when Hannah was going through everything, I'm about to preach. Hannah had Panaya and Panaya was like, oh, that's why you can't have kids. Look at me with mm. all my kids. But I got them. And it was like, God, you not finna let yes. Panaya win. All my Panayas that was telling me, oh, that's why you can't have kids. Oh, that's why you worthless. That's why he left you because you barren. And I was like, y'all going to eat them. Y'all going to eat that. Y'all going to eat that. Whether I have to get a donor egg, whether I have to adopt, I will be a mother. And you never know what form. And and I had 
exactly and i had to change the narrative like y'all don't get to win you don't get to take from me what i was already given you don't get to take from me my joy my love my happiness and it's like you start realizing this illness exposes the cruelty in other women absolutely absolutely and 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 one thing i want to just kind of back up what you said when you said that god will show i am real let me just tell you a quick story. Mm. So during, I want to say, it was probably my fourth or fifth IVF trial. I um, went through an egg retrieval. They retrieved five eggs. They were able to, out of five, they used three to try to fertilize to get an embryo. Only one made it and they were actually able to freeze it as an embryo so wow i had this egg frozen for about a year because this whole time i was looking for surrogates my cousin tried i had a friend of a uh, a friend sister who tried um, and it's like they were continuously denying these women for reasons I don't know because they've already had multiple kids. So I'm like, they're perfect candidates. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> they they can't do it. They're perfect. But they denied them. So I went and got all these tests done because remember, the situation was I shouldn't carry because of my uterus could possibly rupture. So I went and got all these tests done right. that said, you know, Hey, let's, you know, text, test the muscles of your, your uterus. And okay. You know, it looks like your uterine lining is pretty thick. You should be good. You can try getting pregnant. We'll just make sure that we don't carry you full term. So that was like my green light. So yeah, I prayed on it so hard. I went and got my embryo. Let's do, um, you know, the, the, where they do the implant of the, the embryo into your uterus. So I got that done. This was maybe around December of 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah, December of 2019. So when they tell you, okay, when you get it done, you know, you're supposed to like not do any activities, really just lay there for like maybe two or three days. When I tell you I laid there for two weeks, because <laughs> I'm like, let this bad boy marinate. Like, I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not doing <laughs> nothing. Just bring me food. I'm telling you, I laid still for about a good week and a half. And they tell you not to take a home pregnancy test because you have to go back in to take your pregnancy test. They tell you not to do it. But, of course, I'm hard-headed. I did it. And I saw that it was negative. When I tell you that I was home alone and I was just on the floor bawling, I'm talking about I'm I'm smacking the ground. God, do you hear me? You know, I, I am I'm yeah. being disruptive. Hear me now. And I, I'm pretty sure I believe I told you about this when I woke up that next morning. And, and it's crazy because then also in that same day, had a conversation with my husband. Like, you know, when people say God talk to them, uh, how, how, what is, what is his voice? <laughs> like, how, how do you know if God is talking to you? When I tell you that morning, 
I woke up and I know this will sound so crazy, but me being transparent, I'm going to lay it all out there. My body was rumbling. It was like my body was vibrating off the bed. Like I could not move. I'm looking at my husband trying to reach for him to wake him up. And all I heard was, I am real. Mm. And when I tell you, Toya, that since that day, I felt like, you know what? (laughs) Not to say that I give up, but that's not my fight. It's it, not that's my fight. it. That's it. To it hear is not, it's my, not fight. my fight. Like, and, and where you you can you become weary trying to fight endometriosis absolutely. by yourself. If and you God, just like, if you just give it to me, absolutely. And I, he like just give it to me. And when you give it to me, I'm the one that heals the sickness and disease. I'm the one that made the man walk. I'm the one that make the blind see. I'm the one that stopped the bleeding for the. For the for the woman with the with the uh with the blood issue because when all she did was reach and touch the hem of his garment and she was made whole, I'm the one that opened up opened up Sarah's womb. I'm the one that opened up Hannah's womb. Why Absolutely. wouldn't I do it for you? And and as I kept studying and realizing every time that they he opened up their wombs and they gave birth to they they gave birth to somebody that changed. Mm-hmm the world and i'm like that's what the prayer is god show me what you mm. want this seed to change because that is when you're gonna open up my womb because my womb is prosperous my womb is blessed absolutely my womb is promised my womb was created by the the creator of all things and those are affirmations that i say to myself I bless yes. my womb every day. Yes. I thank God for it. I mean, because like I said, because I, I had to stop saying to people like, you know, I'm barren. And I mean, my mama was like, <laughs> stop saying that. Why are you telling people that you're barren? And I'm like, I can't have kids. And she was like, you are not even married. You've been celibate for six years. Of course you can't have none. You ain't doing nothing to have none. Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm like, touche touche but i mean but these doctors can get you that when you look at the numbers when you when you hear the diagnosis when you hear all of this and god's like i can breathe on you and give you all new things if that's what i choose to do and it's like miracle signs and wonders follow those that believe he's like whose report are you gonna believe mine or your specialist. I mean, yeah, he's a specialist. I mm-hmm. allowed him to be a specialist, but I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that called you from your mother's womb. I did all of that. The specialist ain't did nothing. Let me handle it. And I mean, like you said, I'm falling mm-hmm. down. Like, okay. Oh my God. But but what if they like, you know, now I hear Carrie, they're all gonna laugh at you. Like, you know, it's like God. Are you gonna vindicate but me? You will never know. You have to wait to see, because what your vision is of being vindicated might not be the plan. And and so and mm. that and that's what I mean. Where I said I had to change the way that I was thinking, and 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 utilize 
the the gifts that God did give me. And first off, let me say that he did bless me with one naturally. He did bless me with one. And so a lot of my prayers when I've come into other contact with people, of course, I do my daily affirmations. I think that is so important. First, that you said that that is very important that you do your daily affirmations. But then I will find myself because I know that I have one. I'm like, let me pray for those who who, you know, I, I, I've had a, a friend who who is married and her and her husband were trying. God, OK, let me push me to the side for a second because I got one. Yeah, I, I, I focus my energy on praying for her and her husband because they didn't have one. So just even allowing your mind to just sometimes shift or pivot. I've been noticing that that's a new word that everybody keeps saying in 2021. You got to pivot. Girl, you got to pivot. A pivot. Yeah, I mean, because after you come out of a, a, yes. a, a hard year. Yeah, like got to know how to pivot. I've been hearing pivot, that, that word so much lately. And I think it's really key because, again, you talk about being vindicated. What does that look like? To me, if I can raise awareness, if I can raise money to help this family pay for a surrogate, mm. I don't need nothing else. I don't, I don't need you to tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? If, if I can help pay for this young family who need, you know, IVF medication that the insurance don't cover and it costs five, $700, I'm good. I'm vindicated. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, well, you never know what that may look like or what form is that? Because, okay, I, I maybe I couldn't have my second one on my own, but I helped them and I helped this person or, or we help empower this person or we, we help give comfort to this person. And I can live with that. And you know what? I commend you on that. You know how hard it is to do that? I have like a journal set for women that I pray for that are going through infertility mm. issues. I look up stuff. I, I pray mm. for them and they I don't even tell them. I, I pray for them because I don't feel like I need to tell you I'm praying for you. I want to see it happen for you. I want, I want, I want, I, I think the thing that we have to understand with God we have to stop telling ourselves that God is this punishable person and he doesn't want right. to see us happy because he does. He wants to see us happy. He wants to see us full of joy. He wants to. That's why the scriptures say it's his goodness that draws us to him. It's not the bad. It's not the well, he's going to take mm -hmm. me to hell. It's his goodness. It's, you know, it's the scripture says taste and see that the Lord is good why would a baby be hard for him to give you whether it's through your womb or you 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 being there and somebody died and they baby is left i mean you like i i had to start telling mm. myself you don't know how you're gonna become a mother just know when he said i'm gonna do it absolutely he's gonna do it be ready and I'm like, I need to get myself ready. So I started cleaning up my credit. I start, I bought a home. And not, not that I'm thinking I'm going to be a married, I mean, I'm going to be a single. Because for some reason, my, my therapist keep pushing on me. Like, you know, do you want to just adopt by yourself? Do you, I look like the type to be by myself with a baby? Girl, yes. let's talk about this a little bit more. I am not doing that. I'm not there. 
I'm okay with marrying somebody and he already got yeah. a kid. And I'm like, let's adopt. I'm okay with a donor egg. I'm okay. I, it's like, I have to be okay. Because if I continue to close, put God in this box, Mm-mm. it got to be the way I want it. It's like, okay, but mothering Absolutely. just isn't you carrying it. I can bring you to someone that needs to be mothered. I can do. And it's like, okay, God. I'm going to have, and that's me taking my hands completely off the wheel. We, even us wanting mm-hmm. it our way is our hand on the wheel. And I even had to tell myself, your weakness is your weapon. Don't be afraid to talk about this because somebody's going to say, oh, that's why you can't have kids. Absolutely. No, you definitely, and you hit on a key point as far as the, the way that you envision it may not be what it is. Because I can tell you, I even though I knew I had endometriosis, like you say, they tell you, okay, you have an endometriosis, being pregnant makes it better. They don't tell you that, okay, being pregnant, yeah. but you have the uh, after effects of endometriosis still in your body can cause some issues. And so, you know, obviously being pregnant, I was excited. I'm like, oh, I'm about to go get a baby mold. I'm going to go do all these uh, you know, pregnancy classes and yoga. And I just had this whole idea of what, you know, my life will look like pregnant as a pregnant woman. Like, oh, I'm going to have these cute outfits with my heels on. And none of that happened. None of it. Because I spent half the time in the hospital or in bed. <laughs> you know, so. Wow. I, I guess I want. Uh, you can't say I will never tell anybody not to, you know, obviously, you know, aspire and have dreams and visions of things, because I think that's how we keep ourselves going. Right. Like you need that. And, and I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely a firm believer on the laws of attraction is what you put out there. What you envision is what you what you get back in the universe. Mm-hmm. So I will never tell anyone to start to not dream or to not, you know, have these visions of how they will like things to be. But I will tell you is when you have life events that don't align with that vision, don't become stuck. Don't become Mm. stuck because it's not aligning with what you saw. You have to move around. You have to find another avenue. You have to, you know, get a little bit maybe more creative. Even like what we talked about with, you know, the fertility issues with you. No one said that you can't have. You're just going to have a different path on getting yours. You know, so. Right. I think that that's what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, psyching myself out, maybe I don't know, but I'm I'm looking at this whole endometriosis thing like, you know what? Let's stop looking at it like a handicap. You're making me a stronger person. Mm, you and you, <laughs> girl, you all up in my therapy session today. It was like, Mm-mm. is this a weakness or is this a challenge? And I'm like, I'm like Jeffrey of uh fresh <laughs> challenge like yes. okay let's go like 
it, there's no mountain that my God can't move. Like you have to start Absolutely. thinking this way and moving this way. That's what a pivot is. It's the trust that when you move, you gonna make the right decision. And a lot of people don't get what pivot means. If you didn't run track, if you didn't play football, if you didn't play basketball, some type of sport where you learn that pivoting it can be your best friend if you if you recognize the if you recognize to do it at the right moment, at the right time, with the right people, with the with the with the one true and living God, it's no reason that the pivot won't work. But it's hard to believe that when you've been psyching yourself out, when you've been letting the enemy mm-hmm. play on your emotions and on your mental, when you've been letting people who don't mean you no good, because that was something I had to realize. Stop surrounding myself around people who who would these are boundaries I had to create. Stop surrounding my surrounding myself around people who didn't care about my mental and my mm-hmm. emotional health, who mocked me. They're not your friends. They're not, even though they're family. See, I, it's a difference between family and relatives. Those are relatives. I'm not obligated to be around you. So I had to start taking myself out of the equation. It's okay. And, you know, it was like, I don't, endometriosis don't have me. I have absolutely it, it's under control. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, like I said, as far as changing your mindset of this is a disability, that I can't do this, I can't do that, or, um, you know, you're weaker in any sense. And it's so funny because you, my husband actually reminded me of this because I was talking to him. Um, you know, I, I am my dad, my daddy's child where I always had these new uh, business ventures that I want to do or that I'm thinking about. And, and of course people are like, Oh, you know, that's crazy. Or you, you can't do that. And even my husband, he's like, what may be hard to some people is not hard for you. Look at everything that you've been through. And so it's like, you can't even take, you know, like, let's not even think about endometriosis in just the medical sense. Right. Just think about what it has done for you as a person and other avenues of your life. It has made you a strong woman. You have learned to deal in adversities that most women don't have to deal in. You have learned how to go to work every day and pretend that nothing is wrong when we are so like feel like we're dying on the inside. You see what I'm saying like that that is I mean, do you know how many jobs I've had I've lost due to endometriosis because I had to call Were off you transparent so with them about what was going on? See? At the time, no. And then it, it it's like 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 you like we said earlier. Yep. The fear of talking about it because you feel misunderstood. You feel, um, yeah, you feel alone. And here's the thing: we were we're we were we're best friends, and we felt alone about the yep. same surgery, about the same illness. Like that's how serious this is, and how it needs to be talked about. It needs to be a conversation that, okay, I gotta hear about, I gotta hear about. Susie's new baby in pregnancy, you're going to hear about this endometriosis awareness. 
at Thanksgiving. Can you pass the potatoes? So my period was heavy this month, and I'm not sure if I'm okay about that. No, we're not gonna keep uh, we're not gonna push my incident under the table, but we're gonna talk about all these other situations above the table. No, like it has to be normalized that my my situation is just as Absolutely. important. And, as and but I think the difference is see back then, Toya, we didn't have a name to put on it. We didn't have a name to put on it. So, yeah. it, you know, I, I can't say that we didn't talk about it because we knew, oh, okay, girl, my stomach hurt. Your stomach hurt really bad, too. You got some all or, hey, we need, some, we need you know, a heating pad. Or we, we talked about it in that sense, but we didn't know. I literally never heard the word endometriosis until that surgeon told me. And so, and now you see commercials yeah, about it. You see they have you know, medication specifically for it, that stuff was not around when we were first diagnosed. And then like, and then like certain diets, like I didn't know we, I, I kept saying, oh, I'm lactose. I'm not lactose. It's because of my endometriosis. Dairy is not good. The endometriosis and Absolutely. the fibroids feed off your dairy, feed off dairy. And it's like, so now it's like, I had, I have to change my entire That's where I struggle. diet. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, who you telling? Like, man, it's hard. But it's like, right. do you want a healthy period or no? Or, do you know, it's like you. And that's the thing. A healthy period. Like, I don't think people realize cramps are tell not you, So one of the things that I've been doing, I know we talked about this. I told you that I was I've been doing um, acupuncture. And so I would say maybe mm -hmm. after about the fourth time that I um, got acupuncture done because I would say maybe last year around December I had a point where I was like you know what screw this I'm not taking no more medication I'm just gonna have to figure this thing out and pray about it because I didn't like the way that it was making me feel all the different hormones I felt like I was having chest pains of course that's when COVID was you know, running rampant. So I'm thinking like, oh my God, do I have COVID? I'm running to go get COVID tests, but it was really just the medication. So I'm, I just went cold turkey. Like, you know what? I'm getting off all this medication. Let me start trying some holistic approaches. And I remember the first cycle that I had. When I tell you, and I know this sounds so weird, I brag to almost anybody who will listen, like, Oh my God, is this what periods are really <laughs> supposed to be like? Like this period was awesome <laughs> because we're so used to having bad, you know, heavy, just, you know, periods, just really mm -hmm. draining periods that it was like, oh my God, like I, I felt like I, I found a secret to something like this is what periods are really supposed to be like, like they're not that bad. But it's horrible. It's a terrifying yeah. feeling when you fear your period. As a woman, something that you know is coming every month, something that, again, it, it's happened naturally. It's supposed to happen. And when you actually fear it, and that was a point where I was at, where I was fearing my period. My period, yeah, a, and I mean a real live fear, like a fear to the point where it's like, dear God, please, 
And I think like, and then I don't think people realize endometriosis mm. strips everything from you, your energy, your social life. Mm-hmm. Like I miss so much. I miss birthday parties. I miss, I miss Absolutely. holidays. Like your period don't care. And you know, I was just like, I feel like I miss so much. I think in high school, yeah. I think I, my doll never worked for me. So I had to take four wow. leaves. And then at, that was in the morning. Four leaves in the morning. When you, you know how you get the pre-cramps? It's like, let's go. You already know what this is about to be. And you know, four four leaves in the morning. Four leaves for lunch. We in the lunch. We in the lunch. We, I'm in the lunch line. Let me let me let me get let me get that uh fruitopia. Let me get that Tahitian treat because I got to take this. I got to take it. And then another four mm-hmm. at dinner time, so I can eat and then go to sleep. So that's a total you of what? Sixteen, I'm old. probably sixteen pills or twelve. I took sixteen yeah. pills, and and that was day one. Cramps lasted for three days. So then I got to do it another sixteen Absolutely. second day. You not realizing that that's not healthy for your uh, your liver. So I mean, before we get off. What is something that you would like to say to a fellow Indo warrior? Um, Just take back control. Take back control. Uh, Figure out just other ways. Learn to pivot. Don't get stuck. Um, You know, we, we, we don't know all of the scientific things about it, right? We don't know where it come from. We don't know the, you know, there, there's no magic surgery or there's no magic medication that makes it go away. And, it, and it's hard to compare because as we even, you know, explored here, everybody endometriosis affects them differently, right? But you know your body. So, yeah. so listen to your body. And, and, and don't just be stuck as far as, you know, oh, well, this is happening. I can't do nothing about it. It is what it is. No, you have to keep pushing through it. Keep praying. Keep praying over your body. Keep saying your daily affirmations. Keep reaffirming yourself that this is happening now, but it is for a purpose. Even if we feel like, you know, sometimes you're being cursed. No, it's for a purpose. And keep praying to God to figure out what that purpose is. And I find, I, I, I guarantee you, once you find that voice and once you practice that, I promise you, it, it worked for me. Your mental becomes in a whole different state. And that mental, I really think that being in that different mental space starts to reshape your health. I definitely think it correlates. Wow. That's good. That's something Absolutely. I wish I would have known at Absolutely. 23 you know what? We when I was diagnosed. Because we were immature then. <laughs> we were very immature. <laughs> Complete. I was I was still eating ice cream. So let's 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 be 100. But I think my message to a fellow Indo warrior would be. Don't mm. let them make you their guinea pig. 
don't take do your research do not let them tell you everything you must do this 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 and you because it's like they're implanting fear and you're gonna do everything they say and they they Mm -hmm. trying to pivot and you just there don't don't be the victim of somebody's failed pivot like pivot for yourself advocate for yourself speak up and say hey like my doctor still be saying, well, why are you not on birth control? Because I'm not going on birth control. Next. That's the answer. Like, I don't care that you're the yes. specialist. I know my body. Birth control don't work well for me. So advocate for yourself. Don't be the victim yes. of somebody else's failed pivot. Speak up. Speak. Talk to other women about it. You will be amazed. I think this. I think this episode is gonna free so many women because I want you to get your voice back. Yes, this is what's going on with me. Yes, this is no. My no is attached to an illness, but I ain't doing it no more. Yes, this is why I was not able to be there for Christmas. I was in excruciating pain, but I'm going to get through this. A support system is needed. Find your tribe and make sure they dig down for you. They know you because you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And that don't make you weak. A weak moment don't make you a weak person. So that's what I want to leave with a fellow Indo warrior. Like you're not in this alone. We are a team. We are your support system. Reach out. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't let the panayas of this world silence you because you being silenced is keeping another woman silence a voice is a ripple and it encourages another ripple and another ripple so that's what my um my message to a fellow indo warrior especially Mm. a young one who's just been diagnosed and is terrified like it's different when you a vet we consider vets in the game we didn't have this for over a decade but when you just freshly you just fresh diagnosed. They just told you you got endometriosis. They just told you you're facing a, a journey of infertility mm-hmm. if you don't do this. Because there's an if to everything that they say. So begin don't don't get don't let your fear overtake you. Begin to press into your spirituality. Begin to press into God. Begin to research for yourself. We got these smartphones that's smarter than us at times. Start looking up everything you can before they start putting you on heavy medications. Look to see if your diet needs to change before they start saying, let's do surgery. Let's do surgery because they would surgeons want to <laughs> cut and you are a perfect specimen. So before you start letting before I start letting you cut on me, let's try a holistic approach along with what you're saying. Maybe you can give me a medicine that's a little low grade in the hormones. And I'll do some holistic things. Maybe I'll change my diet. I'll um, do acupuncture. I'll meditate. I'll, you know, you have to take matters into your hands. You just can't let these doctors, you can't place your, your, your life in these doctors' hands. They don't know what they're doing. They just went to, they went to school. Great. You smarter than me a little bit. But I know my body. Just a little, I mean, I had to be honest. I told our specialist, like, okay, this is what we're not going to do. I'm not doing no more Lupron shots. I'm not doing no more birth control. I'm not. You're not about to cut on me another time right now. Because every cut, it takes a while. It's an inflammatory disease. So every cut doesn't mean that you're really healing on the inside. So. Mm -mm. So, yeah. So I am so grateful you came on. Uh, I don't think I could have had this conversation as I 
for it to be authentic and transparent and vulnerable with anybody else because I think we know each other like back and forth, sad, sad way, east and west. Uh, like we know each other inside and out. So to have this conversation with you made me feel comfortable because, like I said, I've been attacked. But to have this conversation with you made me feel. I know that it's a safe <laughs> space, not because it's my show. But right. because I was open, I mean, because I have to publish it, and this is—I mean, this is a this is a big deal for me. Like, whoa, this is another part of ministry. Like, I don't think people realize ministry goes beyond church and the pulpit. It goes to touching lives, and I really, I'm really hoping and praying that this episode touched someone who feels like there's no hope that there that there's there is a light at the end of this tunnel, baby. I promise you, it is, and. I'm just glad I get to. Oh, I, to I really appreciate that too, you. and um, I definitely uh, thank you because I think it is needed. And I'm not on social media, you know. I'm 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 very prehistoric. I don't have any social media pages in that sense. So, um, for me, I think talking to other women. Because I'm not on social media, so I, I, you know, I'm not into all the blogs. I'm old-fashioned. I like the conversation. Let's sit and talk about this. Um, it, it means a lot. And I appreciate yeah. that you have this platform and that you've used it to do something like this. I think that that's very important. And um, you know, I definitely believe that you'll be, you'll be blessed for it. And someone is going to be blessed by hearing this. So thank you. No problem. So, of course, we're going to always end with a prayer. And this prayer is going to be a special prayer because it's straight out of the book of First Samuel. And it is Hannah's prayer. And I really hope this frees someone. I really hope you replay this prayer and you pray it yourself. Because I, I am thoroughly persuaded that we're all going to see the promises of God in the land of the living. So, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth, my mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like the Lord. No, no, not no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't, don't go on and on talking so proudly spouting arrogance from your mouth because the Lord is the God who knows and he weighs every act the bows of mighty warriors are shattered but those who were stumbling now dress themselves in power those who were those who were filled full now sell themselves for bread but the ones who were starving are now fat from food the woman who was barren has birthed seven children but the mother with many with, with many sons has lost them all. The Lord, he brings death, gives life, takes down to the grave and raises up. The Lord, he makes poor, gives wealth, brings low, but also lifts up high. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with officials, gives them the seat of honor. The pillars of the earth belong to the Lord. He set the world on top of them. 
God guards the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked die in darkness because no one succeeds by strength alone. The Lord, his enemies are terrified. God thunders against them from heaven. The Lord, he judges the far corner of the earth. May God give strength to his king and raise high the strength of his anointed one. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, my loves, this concludes our episode. I thank you for listening. As usual, I am praying with you and for you. I love you. I got up out that dark place. Stop worrying about what everybody else say. Cause they don't know my story. Can't see my pain. If they did, then they would love me just the same. I shine, you shine, we shine together That's how it was meant to be